Good morning. Good to see everybody on a Saturday morning. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Colossians chapter 3 again. Uh, if I've not had the pleasure to meet you, I think I met most last night, um, but my name's Brian. I'm one of the pastors of Pillar Church of Jacksonville, which is one of your sister churches. Um, I also have the pleasure to serve as the executive director of the Praetorian Project, and so uh, if you're not aware, uh, Pillar DC is part of a family of multiplying churches in military communities all over the world, and uh, so I get the I have the pleasure to serve in that capacity as well. Uh, Doug, if you could hit next on that guy, uh, this is my family. My lovely wife is joining me uh, here today. Uh, we have kids from age six. Amina down in front there, all the way up to age 22, Uh, Danny on my right there, Uh, so age 6 to 22, so we're in like every phase of parenting almost right now, Uh, no diapers, praise the Lord, Uh, and uh, our oldest still lives in the home with us, so we're not yet in like outside of the home yet, but um, we are family life. We're getting ready to enter into uh, youth sports season. Anybody else like their kids are in like youth sports? Anybody? Nobody? Okay. All right. Well, it's this fascinating time of the year where like lots of our time is spent watching youth sports. And honestly, I love it. I, I, I would prefer to watch one of my kids play their sport than to uh, to watch Uh, you know, an NFL game or NBA or something like that. I just love watching them play. Uh, None of us, my wife nor I, none of our kids are like going to be Division I collegiate athletes or anything else. But we do have some numbers. So in this coming spring season, we have three uh, kids that will be playing a sport. Two of us will be coaching. Two of us will be parents. And one will be a referee. And there will be things that... Over and over throughout this season, I'm going to say this statement to my kids all the time. Players play, coaches coach, parents parent, referees referee, right? Everybody needs to fulfill their role. What's the temptation, though, on the sports field? Parents try to referee. Players try to referee. Players try to coach. Parents try to coach. Coaches try to referee. Referees try to, te- try to coach, right? And so everybody kind of gets outside of their lane. They get outside of their role, and it really demolishes everything that's happening uh, on the field. It takes what could be a beautiful, wonderful time together, and it wrecks the whole thing. And so I want you to think for a moment, what roles do you have in your marriage? What are the roles that you are to have in your marriage? In what roles are you to be serving your spouse? What roles? What's that look like? Before we get into what those roles are, let's do a little Bible trivia. I know it's Saturday morning. I got it. Um, This is like the easiest Bible trivia game you have ever played, hopefully. Okay? Hopefully. We'll see how they do, Thomas. All right. So, couple roles. Whose role is it to be the writer of the law? And I mean the law, the moral law of God, that to transcend such a law would be a sin and an abomination against God. Whose role is it to write that law? 
God. All right, two people said God. All right, so got a little work. Come on, DC. We got, we got this. We can do this. All right, two more. It's too easy. We're trying to think deep. Yeah, okay. All right, let's try another one. They're, they're easy. All right, whose role is it, whose job is it to take sinners who are dead in their trespasses and sins and save them, to make them alive together and reconcile them with God. So whose role is it to be the Savior? Jesus. All right, good. All right, we're getting better. All right, the last one's a little bit more difficult, uh, but I think you all have it now that we're warmed up. Whose job is it to convict of sin? Wow, that was, that was the strongest one. All right, maybe it was just a, like we were getting nervous. I don't know. All right, so the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. Honestly, if we think about this for just a moment, I may have just helped some of your marriages, right? It's not your job to save your spouse. It's not your job. It's not your job to convict of sin. It's not your job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not your job to write the moral law of God. It's already written. And so before we even get into what our roles are, sometimes we just need to be reminded of what they're not, right? We need to be reminded of what they're not. Uh, As Thomas shared last night, uh, this letter of uh, Paul to the Colossians is written in this context where there's false teachers entering into the church. And they, are, they have all kinds of different false teaching. Uh, Thomas shared several of those last night, so I'll not go into those again. But one thing we need to understand in regards to our marriage, who's one of the worst false teachers in our marriage? Don't say my spouse. Don't do that. I am, right? I am. Right? One of the false teachers that is wrecking your marriage is your own sinful flesh. And so we have to realize that one of the false teachers that needs to be confronted is our own sinful flesh. What I think we're going to see in Colossians 3 verses 16 through 19 is this. Live out your biblical marriage roles to live in the full potential of God's design for your marriage. Live out your biblical marriage roles to live in the full potential of God's design for marriage. Um, Let's pick it up in Colossians 3. I'm going to do verses 16 through 19. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. This morning, as we look at this passage, I have three roles for us to consider, three roles that I believe are quite clear in our passage. 
And as we walk through these roles, I notice several of you have uh, notes out, which is good. Uh, take notes. I want you to be asking, which of these roles am I struggling with? Which of these roles am I not measuring up to God's standard in? Which of these roles do I need to work on? Which of these roles does the Bible show me a better way than I'm currently living? Now, I I do need you to be aware of something. I believe God has you here for you, okay? I think God has you here for you. God does not have you here to take notes for your spouse. Everybody hearing me, right? God doesn't have you here to take notes for for your spouse. God doesn't have you here so that you can echo what I'm going to say and what Thomas said last night and what Jared's going to say and what Doug's going to say. Like, we... You're not here to be our echo. Hey, I don't know if you heard what Jared said, but you need to, like, that's not why God has you here. God has you here to change you according to his word today. And so we we should be asking questions. Where is God confronting our flesh, each one of us? So the first role is this, act like Christians. Rule number one, act like Christians. So often we skip over this role in marriage. When we talk about biblical marriage roles, we skip over the fact that we're supposed to be acting like Christians towards one another. We don't start this discussion about marriage roles in verse 18. We start it back in verse 16 where I started reading, but really we could say the whole letter needs to apply to us and we need to uh, exercise what we learn, the truths that we learn in the letter to the Colossians, we need to apply in our lives. And one of the first places we can apply it is in our marriage. We can act like Christians toward one another as husband and wife. Notice how Paul words this in verse 16. Verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Did you know that the word of Christ is rich? Like it gives to you. It will fill you. It can dwell in you so richly that it can't be contained just in you. It's going to have to overflow into other people. See, one of our problems in our relationships is that we're trying to get things from other people and we are sucking the life out of everyone around us because we're trying to get things from them. But that's not how God designed us to work. God designed us to get everything we need from Him, from the Word of Christ, And that that would dwell in us richly, and then that would overflow into others, and then we can be a blessing to the people around us, first and foremost to our spouse. Notice a couple of the things that will happen if the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, and ways that this happens and overflows. Teaching one another in all wisdom. I love that. Teaching one another in all wisdom, right? Not just teaching one another a neat idea I saw on the internet. Not teaching one another some idea I had. Not teaching one another, you know, just some preference that I have. No, no, no. Teaching one another in all wisdom. Admonishing one another in all wisdom. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
singing with thankfulness? Like, is that overflowing in your home? Are the walls of your home filled with singing and thanksgiving? Take inventory over your life the past couple of months. Just go back to January 1st of this year, 2022. Is the word of Christ dwelling in you richly? How about in your marriage? Is the word of Christ dwelling in your marriage richly? Are you teaching and admonishing your spouse in all wisdom? Are you singing praise and thanks to God in your heart for all the good things that he has given you specifically in your marriage? I want you to think for just a moment. Way back to when you were single. I understand for some that wasn't very long ago. Uh, For me, it was a lot longer ago. But think back to when you were single, especially if it's been a few minutes. What were you like? Don't answer out loud right now. (laughs) Part of me really wants to stop, though, like, and hear some stories, like what you were like as a single person. But anyway, like, what were you like? Did you deserve, did you deserve to have another human being stand before God and commit to covenant together before God and an assembly of people to stay with you for the rest of your life? Did you deserve that? It should be a resounding no if you have some honesty about where you are. Like, not at all. So the fact that you woke up together and you drove here together, like, praise God that you have someone who's still with you, right? Like, think back on that. You have somebody who's, that's just one thing. That's just one example of one thing that you can thank God for, like, wow, she's still here. It's amazing. Wow, he is still with me. After all of my junk, after all of my mess, like, they're still here. Praise God, thank God, sing songs to God, thanking him for his provision that you and I do not deserve. Look at your spouse as a gift, as a gift from God, and treat them as a brother or sister in Christ first and foremost. When they walk in the door, when your spouse walks in the door, and they're depressed, they're discouraged, they're anxious, When they're all of these things, teach and admonish them to look up to God to see his goodness and his in all circumstances. So when they're down, you pick them up like brother, sister, don't don't be there. You're you're a child of God. Come up, get out of the gutter. When they walk in and they're full of pride and they think they're everything. Bring your brother or sister down like, who are you? Like, come on back down to earth. With the rest of us, look to God. He is everything we are not. In everything we do, in everything, verse 17 says, in everything, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Act like a Christian to your spouse. Act like a Christian to your spouse. Honestly, this role will solve like most of your problems in your marriage. Like most of them, like probably near 100% of your problems in marriage. Just act like a Christian. Um, It will move your marriage towards God's design for it. 
that it would work as it's supposed to work, as God designed it to work. However, uh, Paul does give us a few specifics for wives and then for husbands. So role number two is for wives. Role number two from verse 18. Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 18 is quite clear. My point is literally just the words of that verse. And I know, wives, that you're going to be tempted. You're going to be tempted to focus on one particular word in the verse, and that is the word submit. I'm going to encourage you first to let's skip over that one for a second, and let's focus on this word fitting. Fitting in the Lord. That may not be how we talk on a regular basis, but honestly, most of the English translations, actually all the English translations I looked at, which was like six of them, uh, they all used it, is fitting, fit for, right? It's, they use the same word. Another way you might use the word proper, working like it's supposed to. So what Paul is saying, he's saying, wives, there's something that you can do that will make your life more fitting to the Lord, more proper to the Lord. It will make things work more like God designed them to work. There's something you can be doing for that. It's almost like if, if your marriage is a symphony, all of the pieces of the orchestra, all of the pieces, all of the instruments are playing on tune, on time. Everything is operating as it ought to operate. If your life is like a rocket, right, that NASA or SpaceX is about to shoot into space, like, they don't, they don't sit around and think, like, well, is this good enough? Like, they're not asking that kind of question, are they? They're like, is this tuned? Is this tuned as perfectly as we possibly can? And is every part functioning exactly how it's supposed to be functioning? Paul is saying that there is something that you can be doing, wives, that is getting, getting after that standard that God has for your life, where everything is operating as it's supposed to operate. And then we, we're left with the question, well, what is that thing? What is the thing? Well, seemingly simple. From what I hear, it's immensely difficult. Wives, submit to your husband. That's what is fitting in the Lord. For many of you, I imagine your flesh fights against this one on some level. Honestly, every wife that I've ever talked to about this uh, has said, this one's really hard. Whether it's been in marriage counseling, whether it's been in settings like this, whether it's been in small groups, whether it's been my own wife, whether it's been like, this one is hard. It's really difficult. We, we We have a group that meets in our home, and uh, it's... Those in pre-deployment, during deployment, post-deployment, we're just trying to help them wrestle through. It's, married, it's all married couples, and we're trying to help them work through and wrestle through this deployment cycle. And we were talking about this uh, challenge, and I was like, so what, what's the added challenge of submitting to your husband when he's deployed? And they're like, well, it's always hard, <laughs> like submitting. It's just always difficult. I want you to know I'm very thankful for this verse in the Bible. Maybe not exactly as you think I might be thankful for this verse in the Bible. I am here today 
speaking in front of people with a Bible open because my wife submitted to the Lord and submitted to this verse in the Bible. You see, in 2010, I was an active duty Marine. Uh, I had been in for about eight years, and I looked lovingly at my wife, and I told her that I believed that God was calling me to get out of the Marine Corps at the 10-year point of service and to become a pastor and to plant a church. That sentence sounded so nonsensical in her mind And every fiber of her flesh just welled up against it. Every, like, yet-to-be-sanctified fiber of her being was like, absolutely not. Do not lead our family down this path. Don't do it. And yet, in time, she sought the Lord with the help of some godly women in her life as well. And she submitted to the Lord and her husband for this new endeavor that would require significant sacrifice on her part. Significant sacrifice. She submitted to it. And for a long time, for a long time, the only thing, if you, if you could like zoom back in time and ask her at different points along the way, hey, why are you doing this? She would, she would say, I'm just submitting to my husband and I trust that God knows what he's doing through this guy. That's what she would say. It was four years later, four years later, that she had an epiphany. She got a glimpse of what God was doing through it all. She saw the purposes that God had for the people of our city and bringing our church there. She saw my gifting and teaching and leading uh, someone to Christ. There was a particular meeting she'll point back to. And she saw God's good purposes in her life to root out that heart that was set against submission. And I thank God for it. I really do. I thank God for it. So I encourage you, ladies, to take a moment. Write down in your notes. You can cover up your notes. You can turn to the side, whatever you need to. Write down in your notes one to two things that are clear in your mind that your husband desires for your family that you're not submitting to? One to two things. You may say, well, how do I know? Well, he may be really clear about it. He may be really obtuse about it. He may have really been clear about it a couple of months ago or a couple of years ago, but since you gave him 347 reasons of why that's not happening, he stopped talking about it. But you know it's still there. So I would encourage you, write down those one or two things. And what would it look like for you to submit to your husband? And in what way could that be fitting to the Lord? In what way that could that be fitting to the Lord? I am sure that deep down inside you have an inkling that submitting to it would honor both your husband and it would honor the Lord. Hopefully it's obvious that Paul, the Apostle Paul, nor I are talking about submitting to sin. Hopefully it's obvious to you that we're not talking about submitting to participating in sin. We're not even talking about submitting to losing your ability to have an opinion in life. Okay? 
If you believe your husband is leading you into sin or that you have lost the ability to have a voice or have an opinion in your marriage, that's the time to reach out to a godly woman who has a good godly marriage and talk like, hey, I hear the submission thing. I really want to honor God. I really want to submit to God, but I feel like I might be one of those people Brian was talking about that like I've lost, I've completely lost a voice. I've completely, I'm not allowed to have an opinion about anything at all. He's always quoting this verse to me. I think you need to ask for help. Okay, you really do. This is where you ask a godly woman in the church. This is where you ask uh, Pastor Thomas for his in-house counseling. Or this is when you you go to Heart Song, who's going to come and help you walk through these things. Okay, submission is not the answer to every problem. It's probably the answer to 14 out of 15 of the couples here. uh, But it's not the answer to everyone. So think about where you are on this spectrum. What are those one or two things? For most of you, the answer is obey the Lord, submit to the Lord by submitting to your husband. For one or two of you, it may be, I need to get some, I need to get some outside help. I need to figure out what's, what's actually going on. Okay. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. All right, men, our turn. Roll number three, <clears throat> husbands. Love your wife and do not be embittered against her. So if you're looking at an ESV, I am grabbing the language from the New American Standard Bible. Uh, I think it gets a little better at the heart of this passage. Husbands, love your wife and do not be embittered against her. That's from verse 19. Again, I'm stealing the language from the NASB if you want to find out where I got that language from. This is a twofold role that Paul shows us here. It's love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Twofold, right? Love, right? That's the positive. Do not be embittered. That's the negative. Also, love is active in the language here. Love, do not be embittered, is passive language. So, love your wives, do not be embittered against them. So, I have to ask, have you ever become embittered towards your wife? Are you embittered towards your wife now? You're like, I don't even know what embittered means. Yeah, you probably have an inkling of what that means. That, that like, ah, I just don't like her sometimes. She's just not doing what I think she should be doing sometimes, or all the time. I'll admit it, I've I've become embittered towards my wife at times. I've become embittered at my wife many times. And you know, there's, there's two voices that speak to me in those moments, right? The first one that speaks, like in my little internal monologue, I I trust you have an internal monologue and like guys speak to you in your internal monologue. The first one, like the first one always, the first one to speak is my sinful flesh, right? And I'm becoming embittered against my wife and I start grumbling and my sinful flesh is first one to the gates like, yeah, man, she's not doing this. She's not doing that. She did that. She said that. Man, you are completely justified. Let's well up this anger. Let's do some, you need to do some things about this. Right? That's the first one to speak, is my sinful flesh. 
you're becoming embittered. However, if I'll wait, if I will slow down, if I'll take a deep breath, if I'll separate for a moment, the Spirit will start to speak as well. You know what the Spirit says? He starts quoting Colossians chapter 3 and other passages. Because the Spirit always starts quoting Scripture to us, right? Or illuminating Scripture to us. And the Spirit says, you're becoming embittered because you haven't been loving your wife. Right? You, you haven't been doing the active side of loving your wife, and so you are becoming embittered. Your flesh is taking over. Your sinful flesh is taking over because you have not been loving actively loving your wife. That's what's happening. And the Spirit is right every single time. When I don't actively love my wife, I will grow and become embittered against her. When I find that I am becoming embittered against my wife, the solution is to actively love my wife. Every time. Every time. So where, men, are you on this spectrum today? Take an inventory of your life and your heart towards your wife, towards your actions towards your wife, towards your attitudes towards your wife. Are you actively loving your wife? Are you loving her like Christ loves the church? Are you actively acting like a Christian towards her? Or are you embittered towards her? Where are you on this spectrum? If you're like a real analytical guy, you can say zero, completely embittered. Ten, completely actively showing love. Where are you on the scale? Where are you? Let me give you just a couple, like I'm going to give you one thing to help you, okay? Some of you might be saying, Brian, you have no clue, Living with my wife is a nightmare. She is a complete mess. I just, you don't have any idea how hard it is to live with her. I'm going to give you that your wife is really hard to live with. And I'm going to give you that I have no clue how hard it is to live with your wife. Okay? I'm just going to give that to you. Okay? I'll say, I agree with you. Living with your wife is really hard. And I have no clue how hard it is to live with your wife. I've never lived with your wife, right? Don't really intend to. But let me share two things with you. I've given you, we've got common ground now. Really hard to live with your wife. I agree with you. Let me give you two things. Number one, living with you is no picnic either. Right? Living with you is no picnic either. I got some real, like, some nods from the wives, just so you know. Just so you're tracking, I know you were looking at me, but I'm just telling you, some wives are like, "Uh uh-huh. Living with you is no picnic either. Number two, God still calls you to love her, right? You think God knows how hard it is to love your wife? Yeah. You think God knows how hard it is to love a people who constantly turn away from him and wander away from him? Absolutely he does. And he calls you to love your wives as Christ loved the church. He calls you to love your wives. Actively love your wives. Yeah, she's a mess. Love her. Yeah, she's really emotional. And sometimes you walk in and she's crying and you're like, what in the world is going on? 
Like, I don't even know what's happening. And she may or may not be able to explain to you what's happening. Love her. Just love her. Yeah, maybe she's not as sexually responsive as you think she should be. Okay. Love her. Love her where she is. Love her and do not grow embittered against her. So there we have three roles of marriage from Colossians 3. Act like a Christian. Wives, submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wife, your wife and do not be embittered against her. I encourage you as we wrap this up and as we prepare for the breakouts, um, where are you at in this? Like, What's the more difficult for you? What are these roles are you struggling with? And I want to, because I'm going to lead you to a couple of clear things to do in response here. I, I need to clarify a definition of sin, okay? A lot of times we think of sin as like, don't do this wrong thing, right? There's like all this ground of stuff that I can do that's permissible, and then there's this little bit of stuff that's not permissible, that's not allowed, right? And we say, this is sin, all this other stuff isn't sin. If you're curious, like the way that you're going to like notice this is happening is you're going to ask questions like, well, it's not wrong to blank, Right? If you're asking questions like that, you're thinking of sin only is this like egregious offense against God's law. Okay? And that is one version of sin. But also, one of the words, uh, really the New Testament word most often used for sin is this concept of missing the mark. Like there's a bullseye that we should be aiming for. And anytime we miss that bullseye, then we have erred, we have sinned. Okay, And so when we're talking about marriage specifically, we should be aiming at a bullseye. Love my wife as Christ loved the church. Submit to my husband as is fitting, as is proper in the Lord. Right? Those are high standards. We're aiming at that bullseye. And anytime we fail in that, we have sinned. And so I'm going to encourage you to think through that. Where have I missed the mark? Where have I missed this perfection, this beauty that God has for me and that God has for my marriage? Where have I missed? So when I say confess your sin, I mean there may be egregious sin you need to confess, but there may be like, man, I can do so much better. Right? So number one, if that's you, and I would contend that should be every single person in here, uh, If you think you have not missed the mark in what we've been talking about, I have failed in teaching it, or you have failed in receiving it, or you very much have the sin of pride. Okay? So, number one, confess your sin and your commitment to live differently to God. That's the first thing. If there's something you're, like, missing the mark on, confess your sin and your commitment to change and live differently. Not this, like, like I'm walking in this direction. God, I'm sorry, and I keep walking in the same direction, right? That's not biblical confession and repentance, right? Biblical confession and repentance is like, I'm walking this way like, whoa, that's not God's design for my marriage. I need to go this way. I need to go a different way. So confess 
repent of your sin and your commitment to live differently to God. Number two, confess your sin, your commitment to live differently to one another, to your spouse. Confess to your spouse. Number three, confess that same thing to, uh, to a mentor that you have in the church. Disciple maker, mentor, one of the pastors, uh, one of the female leaders you have in the church. Confess to them. So the first three, confess your stuff to God, to your spouse, to someone else who can help you. Number four, if your spouse confesses something to you, stand ready to forgive. Stand ready to forgive. Okay? Um, I will contend to you that uh, confession of sin is a requirement to be a Christian. You can't be a Christian if you're not confessing your own sin. Forgiving sin that has been done to you is a requirement of a Christian. Matthew 6, if you just want one, verse, one passage to go look at for that defense. Uh, confronting sin in another person is a little more varsity. I think it's in Galatians it says that's for the spiritual among you. All right? So it's not really a biblical requirement that all Christians are running around confronting sin. I know we feel like we need to be doing that, but let's focus on confession and forgiveness first. If your spouse confesses to you, stand ready to forgive Last one, number five. If your spouse does not confess something that you think they should. Everybody listening? If your spouse does not confess something that you think they should. This is not the time. Hey, you know, Brian said stuff like this needs to be confessed. No, 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 no. Don't, don't Brian said. Don't start sentences in your family and in your marriage, Brian said. Please don't do that. Stardom Jared said. No, I'm just kidding. Um... <laughs> Don't do that. Here's what you do. If your spouse does not confess something that you think they should be confessing, first step, wait. Allow God to continue to work on you and on them. Okay? There may be a time to confront it. Probably not now. Probably not yet. Step number one is wait. Take it to the Lord Be patient with your wife or with your husband. Just wait. You're not the Holy Spirit. You're not the Savior. You will be amazed uh, at how much the Holy Spirit will convict if you'll just shut your mouth. Serve one another as Christians. Serve one another by living out your God-given roles in relation to God and your spouse. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this beautiful institution of marriage. I'm so thankful for it. Uh, I was an absolute mess uh, when I was single, and I'm slightly better now because of your grace in my life and because of my wife that you've given me. And uh, God, I just pray that you would help us to see the beauty of marriage, the beauty of how sanctification can happen in the context of marriage. God, I pray that you would help us to see the false teacher in our lives that is our own flesh, 
that we would put it to death, that we would call it a false teacher, and we would instead and in faith walk according to your ways and your scriptures. God, I pray for these husbands and wives here. God, especially uh, for those that are coming in here and that are struggling. God, I pray that you would help them to begin to uh, work through their struggles. God, I pray that you would give them the humility to listen to one another and to get third-party help when necessary. God, that they would reach out to third-party help, maybe even before they feel like it's necessary. God, I also pray for the marriages in here that, uh, that are okay with being okay. They, if I were to ask how their marriage is and they say, well, we don't fight too much or she ain't left me yet or we're still together or something like that. God, I pray that you would just give them a bigger view of marriage. God, that you would show them that you have so much more for them. God, it's not okay to just be okay. That, that they would strive for more. You call us to be holy as you are holy, that these marriages would be set apart for your purposes. God, I pray that for these men and women. God, thank you so much for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.